It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is UpToDate on KCUR 89.3. Across the country, the behavioral health industry is faced with a shortage of workers. The need for care is only increasing, adding stress to the already overburdened industry. This fall, leaders in the industry throughout the Kansas City region came together for a summit to discuss the struggling field and to think outside the box at realistic ways to not only attract people to the profession, but to retain them as well. Today, we'll find out what was learned during the Behavioral Health and Leadership Summit that took place in Kansas City. With me is Teresa Reyes-Cummings. She's the lead organizer of the summit and deputy director of the Community Mental Health Fund. Teresa, nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Sharon Frazee is also here. She's the chief operating officer for behavioral health at University Health. Sharon, good to have you as well. Thank you. Good morning. And Mindy Cloudin is managing director for behavioral health at Third Horizon Strategies. Mindy, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, Mindy, you've been looking at the past, present, and future of the behavioral health industry across the country. And after looking through your presentation, there's some pretty alarming increases in the need for services considering the shortage of providers. Am I reading that right? Yes. You know, uh, Trillion Health projections show that by 2026, 25.2% of Americans, so one quarter of Americans, will require behavioral health services. And, you know, what's really interesting about that number is that it it's it reflects that not only is there increased demand for behavioral health care, but that more people are seeking care. Wow. Uh, and the level of acuity, meaning, you know, how serious the conditions folks are presenting with when they go to seek care is also increasing. No, Mindy, let me just underscore that stat you just threw out. In a couple of years, you're saying a quarter of all Americans are going to need behavioral health services of one kind or another. Yes. And, and so, but, you know, when we're talking about behavioral health, what we're saying is people needing um, mental health services, services to support substance use disorders um, or co-occurring disorders, which are uh, all too common. I was a little surprised to see that visits for eating disorders among adults was one of the areas that grew the fastest in recent years at 52 percent, followed by visits for anxiety at nearly 48 percent. Does that sound about right based on your experience? Yes. And, you know, I think that it's going to be years of research to uh, account for what is driving that. Um, But we know that there are certain things that have um, contributed to the mental health crisis. We know that uh, the pandemic certainly contributed to social isolation. Uh, There's been a lot of news recently about the impact of social media, particularly on adolescents. Um, And, you know, social determinants of health are a driving factor as well. Economic insecurity, 
uh, makes it much more difficult for people to manage chronic conditions. Uh, you know, when you don't know where your paycheck is going to be coming from, how you're going to be housed, um, how you're going to get the care that you need, uh, that just drives up the level of severity of behavioral health conditions as well. Well, Sharon, you've been in the medical field for more than 20 years. How concerned are you with the current trajectory in terms of need for services that you're seeing out there? Um, I would say I'm pretty concerned. We've seen um, just an overwhelming number of new folks who keep coming in for services. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we also know that statistically, um, people's um, ability to maintain and stay in services afterwards is lower. So some of the shift we need to make um, is to do services differently going forward. Hmm. Um, What's your theory as to why there's such an increase in demand? I mean, we've talked on this program any number of times about, I guess, my theory, which is, boy, people talk about mental health much more openly now than they ever did when I was a kid. My students at UMKC talk about it in the middle of class sometimes. It, it just is, it's, it strikes me as such a great thing. Yeah, I really think just that it's out there. It's not the stigma is starting to come down. People aren't afraid to ask for services, um, especially with the younger generation. They're yeah. more open to um, seeking out help. Yeah. Well, Teresa, you're the deputy director, I said in the intro here, of the Community Mental Health Fund. What is that? The Community Mental Health Fund is a property tax levy. And for Jackson County property taxes, and it generates revenue to pay for services for people who don't have insurance to pay for mental health care. And how big is that tax levy? Um, it generates about $15 million a year, and we serve over 20,000 unduplicated people in Jackson County. 20,000? 20, 20,000 a year. Yes. And you're one of the key uh, organizers behind this summit that I mentioned in the opening uh, where Mindy was a keynote speaker. Who came to the summit? We fund approximately 40 different nonprofits in the community, us with our partner, the Children's Services Fund. And we invited all of the agencies that we fund because they're writing applications to us for funding. Yeah. And in those applications is where we learned a lot about the workforce shortages. So we wanted to bring them together. And we didn't focus just on Jackson County. We opened it up to the whole metropolitan area because our sister funders, the Health Forward Foundation, the REACH Foundation, Hall Family, they also fund in mental health care and are seeing the same issues in their applications. So we wanted to bring everybody together to talk about it. I get the sense that people showed up, right? Yes, we had over 100 people. Wow. What were you hoping to accomplish here? Um, one with bringing in Mindy was to open up the dialogue and learn from her as a national consultant about what's going on across the country. I think people were validated that it's not just a Kansas City issue. It's really going on across the country and to what degree those things are happening. Yeah. And also to learn what are some innovative strategies that other cities or counties may have implemented in order to start to address this issue, because we've got to start now. Well, Mindy, you have this national perspective, and I'm wondering if the Kansas City region is struggling any more or any less than any other part of the country when it comes to this shortage of workers in the mental health field. And it is first and foremost the issue that uh, providers, states and local governments, foundations, funders that we work with all put forward is the shortage of um, 
behavioral health providers. Uh, so Kansas City is not different in that way. It, it really is a national crisis. One way that Kansas City is different, I think, is that it's extremely diverse. And so it really underscores the need to be looking at, um, do you have a behavioral health workforce that adequately represents your community? Because people want to be cared for with folks that they know understand their culture and, and um, background. Yeah. Well, Mindy, let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why there's such a shortage out there. One thing that you read about is this idea of burnout, and I can only begin to imagine the pressures on therapists, you know, seeing six, seven, eight, nine uh, patients a day. Tell me about that. What are the reasons for the burnout? How is it being addressed? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. There really is this um, people experience vicarious trauma. This is hard work. <laughs> and, you know, as we and as we talked about in the beginning, um, they're not only seeing more demand, but they're seeing folks that have more serious conditions. And it's hard to feel like you're actually making a difference and you're able to help people. I think also what contributes to burnout is that behavioral health providers have historically been underpaid. Um, they the, the rates are inadequate. They have limited access to alternative payment models. Uh, and also there's a lot of administrative burden on behavioral health providers that really doesn't exist uh, in the same way for primary care or for other specialists. Now, we'll talk about that administrative burden in just a minute. But, you know, Mindy, I talk to people for an hour a day here on live radio. For the love of Pete, I can't imagine having to sit here and do, do seven or eight hours in a row and have to be engaged in listening throughout that entire time. Right. And, and you know, not to mention that folks can often be triggered of what's going on in their own lives, because as as a nation, we're all struggling. Right. We're, we all experience the pandemic. We all are touched by, you know, when there is gun violence or when there are other things happening in the community that are traumatic events. And so, um, you know, we have to first and foremost think of behavioral health providers as a critical workforce who are also people. You know, Sharon, uh, Mindy just mentioned this idea of administrative, the, the administrative burden that's placed on some of your professionals. What are we talking about there? Um, you're talking about documentation um, burdens and um, insurance burdens. Filing maybe. reports after yes. everybody, after a patient comes in, right. you got to file a report right. hour and after hour. Insurance yeah. companies requiring prior authorizations prior to, so they have to call in to get um, the okay to even see the person. Um, we're all um, under, it's a paperwork challenge that all of our staff are under. Mindy, how do you deal with that paperwork uh, challenge? I mean, Teresa, why don't you answer that? How do, how do you deal with that paperwork challenge? We're not part of the direct care system, so mm -hmm. I'd have to um, yeah, Sharon, hop Sharon in here. answer yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know we're exploring new um, opportunities in AI and how do we allow AI to assist us in some of the documentation. So there's some exciting ways that we can productively use AI. I would say that that would be the the most hopeful thing right now. So you see, you hear so much scary stuff about AI. You're saying there might be something positive here. Yes. Yeah, Teresa. Now, yes. one way we can contribute to that is um, in our funding that we provide to the agencies that are providing the direct care when they have innovative strategies like that. They can come to us for funding to implement those types of things to reduce that administrative burden. Yes. Yeah. The other thing that you hear that people are, are up against, Teresa, is this idea of trying to recruit and retain applicants. And there are other employers like school districts or big corporations trying to get some of the same people. How are you managing to overcome or can you overcome that competitive challenge there? Yeah, um, at the summit, we were able to get a lot of good ideas. And a lot of the participants that were there talked about recruiting earlier. 
Like, how do we even get into middle schools and, and freshmen wow. and start? Because people don't really talk about social services or counseling, nonprofit work as a career trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so how do we start to talk about students, you know, as early as middle school to get them interested and also looking at people that have lived experienced. Maybe they um, recovered from a traumatic event in their lives or something like that. And they've been so impacted by that, that now they want to help others, but they don't have a license to be a counselor. How can we pull from that type of um, experience in people's lives and get them on a trajectory to get into the field, get the licensures that they need and the schooling and all of those types of things? So that was one of the strategies that uh, the participants came up with. We'll be back in just a minute. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute. We're talking about the shortage of professionals in the mental health field. Mindy, you've looked at this in other locations. I'm thinking about Colorado and Washington State. What are some ways uh, those places are trying to address these shortages? Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things that we've seen a lot of states doing, you mentioned Colorado, Washington, I'll also throw in Ohio, Illinois, um, is to use federal dollars, ARPA investments in particular, to create grant programs that help provider organizations to um, look at workforce retention and recruitment strategies, um, putting more resources into um, helping pay for people's education to get their licensure. Uh, And then also, you know, as Teresa was mentioning, expanding roles for non-licensed behavioral health professionals. Hmm. Um, So peers, community health workers uh, in Colorado, they're working on right now a certified behavioral health assistant role and making sure that, you know, as those roles are created, that there's opportunity for those folks to get reimbursed right. through Medicaid and through private insurance. You know, Mindy just mentioned, Teresa, this idea of reimbursement for the cost of higher education. Isn't the state of Kansas doing something like that now? Didn't I read that in your report? I'm not familiar with the state of Kansas. Some sort of reimbursement for higher education costs if you work in rural settings, I think. Or does that sound? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. familiar. Um, but we at the Mental Health Fund are. A board is getting ready to embark upon a strategic plan, and that's one of the areas that they're going to be looking at is how can we help provide local funding mm-hmm. to possibly implement some of those types of programs, um, whether it's direct money to the agencies so that they can reimburse their employees. Um, that's an area that we can um, take under consideration. Mindy, are you, are you familiar with what the state of Kansas is doing? Uh, I'm I'm not. Yeah, okay. There's something going on there. As someone who's traveled the country discussing this concerning trend in behavioral health, Mindy, what did you take away from the summit here in Kansas City? Well, I loved the energy and just the openness to thinking creatively and to partnering together, um, you know, to, to explore new ideas. I think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think that Kansas City is 
reflective of what's going on around the country. And we really need to be thinking comprehensively about the behavioral health workforce in terms of how do you get folks interested in going into the field to begin with? How do you make it financially sustainable to have those roles? And then how do you help support the people in those jobs by creating work environments that uh, support their wellness as well? So there are several facets that need to be looked at is what you're saying, Mindy. Yes, there's yeah. not one silver bullet. Yeah. What did you take away from the summit, Sharon, in terms of better ways to encourage people to consider careers in your field? Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't I'm unable to attend the summit. Mm. Um, so I am just going off of what Teresa has yeah. reported back to me. Um, but I do want to tie back into just the work being done with the Department of Mental Health here in the state of Missouri and the innovative ways that they're trying to um, expand our ability to use our workforce and have um, gone through extensive um, reprogramming to allow for two-year associate degrees um, that the community colleges are now participating in that yeah. they can come work. So I think people are trying to innovatively look at different levels of uh, who can provide mental health services. You know, Teresa, my sense is that the field has traditionally been a low-paying field. And I'm taking from this conversation that that's going to need to change if you're going to have a, a bright future here. Yes, I would agree. Um, some of the suggestions that were made as far as kind of HR issues, like increasing salary, definitely. But if you can't do that, can you offer bonuses? A lot of corporations offer hiring bonuses. So can you offer hiring bonuses? And that's not something that's traditionally done in the nonprofit arena. So really rethinking how do we recruit people, bonuses, changing work hours. Um, some people have suggested, you know, maybe we go to uh, 32-hour work weeks mm -hmm. to give people some more wellness time. Because as Mindy mentioned, this is a very high demand and stressful job. Boy, that sure makes sense to me. Yeah. Again, I'm not in that field, but boy, sitting in this studio every day, I can only begin to appreciate the challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, so, and more wellness programs. How can people take care of themselves even while they're at work? Yeah. What would that look like? And um, Another thing, as um, Sharon mentioned, that non-licensed person. Yeah. How are more certificates offered, you know, for people to get into the field and then they can build upon their experience and they can have experience working in the field. And then if they want to go and get a, a higher licensure that they can do that. But how do we diversify that workforce? Yeah. Sharon, would University Health consider the kinds of things that, that, that are being talked about here? Yes, yeah. Yes. 32 hour work weeks even. We are having conversations about that. We'll see where we can take it. How big of a struggle have you had there in terms of retaining therapists and the like at University Health? Um, I would say our therapists are our highest need. Um, that's where we see our largest turnover is in our licensed prepared therapists. Yeah. Um, and Mindy, you're seeing the same thing across the country. What, what are some of the most effective ways you've seen that places like University Health can compete against corporations and other nonprofits for that matter when it comes to attracting these workers? You know, I think that the the places that have been most successful in recruiting and retaining behavioral health workforce are the places where they talk openly about how much they appreciate their workforce. They have open lines of communication within their organizations. They create flexible work environments. Uh, and they directly address vicarious trauma. They they offer employee wellness programs and support. 
Well, all that sounds really good. And I wish you all the best of luck as you navigate the field ahead here in such an important part of our uh, society these days. That was the voice of Mindy Cloudin. She's Managing Director for Behavioral Health at Third Horizon Strategies. Sharon Frazee also joined us. She's the Chief Operating Officer for Behavioral Health at University Health. And Teresa Cummings, the lead organizer for the summit that just was held in Kansas City. She's with the Community Mental Health Fund. Thank you all for a good conversation. I appreciate Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Our intern is Elizabeth Erb. Paul Nakatura is our announcer and engineer. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening. heal the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network.